So, are we going to Disney World this weekend or what? I think we should go. I think Justin should take a day off and Autumn should take a day off. Uh-huh. And we go. We go. Because it's our anniversary, five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been together for nine years. Yeah. And we have a child now. Mm-hmm. And we've parented through a pandemic. So there's a, there's a lot of big life things to celebrate here. So you think um, just like five I'm days in- out, I should get hotel ticket, park reservation. That's completely doable. Well, if there's availability, I'm not saying like... <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the Easy Dizit Podcast, a podcast all about Disney travel planning and entertainment through the lens of mindfulness, behavioral science, and humor. I'll bet you three squished pennies you're going to enjoy today's podcast. And if you do, please be so kind as to leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. That'll help us get into more listeners' ears. Also, tell your dentist about us. We're sweet as candy, but sugar-free. Today on the show, we'll have an overview and some of my thoughts on dining options at Disney World. After that, we'll talk to my friend Deanne, who is a lover of all things Harry Potter and Universal. But first, we got news, trivia, and mailbag with Autumn. Hey, Autumn. Hello, everybody. How's it going today? It's going great. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Well, our friends listening, it'll be Monday morning. True, true. So happy Sunday night to you. Happy yeah. Monday morning to everybody also, else. We can still wish you happiness on your Sunday, even yeah. though you won't hear this till Monday. Mm-hmm. May your <laughs> Sunday have been as fun as your Monday. Sure, yeah. Oh, no, that's... But Mondays Monday, usually stink. Monday's normally, I was going to say. Yeah. But uh, I just hope it goes well, and I hope uh, the week goes well, and... I know there's many excited folks because autumn has officially begun. Thank you for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Um, okay, autumn, are you ready for some news? I'm ready for the news. All right. Well, on the Easy Dizit podcast, as you know, autumn, but I'll explain to our friends here, uh, we do highly suspect headlines. So I uh, don't just read the news, but I read a mix of legit news and fake news, and autumn has to discern which is which. You ready? All set. All right. (laughs) All right. First headline. Disney sues to keep complete rights to Marvel characters. What do you mean by complete rights? Can you... Expound on that headline? Yeah. No, that would be highly suspect first paragraph of a story. This is highly suspect headlines. Can you repeat it one more time, I can read it again. Sure. Hmm. Disney sues to keep complete rights to Marvel characters. They sue for complete rights to Marvel characters? No, that's false. This is true. What? Yeah, so listen to this. Copy termination notices were served by artists and illustrators uh, in the spring for characters like Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Thor. Okay. Basically, there is a provision in the Copyright Act that allows um, creators, uh, after a certain number of years, to reclaim the rights. And what it hinges on Mm -hmm. is whether... The work was made under the control and expense of a company or if it was done by freelancers. So if you're a freelancer when you do it, then you have the right after a certain number of years to reclaim the rights. Okay. So Disney is saying they were working for Marvel and the lawyers representing these illustrators are saying that they were freelancers. Oh, wow. That sounds like there's a lot of stickiness there. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's all yeah. There's an, an ill-defined concept called 
work for hire in this copyright pr- mm-hmm. protection. And they're saying that that's why there's a lawsuit, basically. Wow. Yep. That's interesting. I'd love to hear more about how that, that unfolds. Yeah. Well, we'll see what that. happens. Yeah. And stay tuned to uh, wow. high, highly suspect headlines in the future. Here's one. This one's kind of sad. Delta variant mm-hmm. and massive crowding cancel hopes for 50th anniversary fireworks shows. Are they still not doing fireworks as of currently right now? No, there's fireworks right now. now. But there's going to be so many people at the uh, 50th that they're canceling. I'm going to say that's false. That is false. That is fake news. I made that up just to be mean. Just to be mean. There's going to be fireworks. Justin, you meanie. (laughs) There's going to be fireworks. As a matter of fact, guess what? Uh, This week, on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. they're streaming fireworks. So... Yeah. That's amazing. So all of y'all at home, including us, Mm -hmm. can watch and feel like we're at Disney. Yep. So Wednesday. That's awesome. This Wednesday, September 29th, they're going to be streaming the new Harmonious show from Epcot at 9 p.m. Oh, that's brand new. Yeah. That's the one with the giant barges that have been in the middle of the World Showcase Lagoon. Making everyone angry about sight lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I remember when we were there, they were there. No, they weren't. They weren't there yet. No. What was there? Um, we actually saw show. we saw illuminations there. These are new barges that are insanely oh, large. They're, oh. Yeah, they're insanely large. Okay. And then on Thursday, mm-hmm. September thirtieth, mm-hmm. they're going to stream from the Magic Kingdom the new Disney Enchantment show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And a quote special celebratory moment. So I don't know what that means, but that'll be ten. Wow. Do you think they're making a big announcement? I think Mickey Mouse is going to propose to Minnie Mouse. <gasps> Do you really? No, I don't think that'll ever happen. Oh. But did you know that that was proposed be. by Eisner? Well, because they're modeled after Walt and his wife, so everyone, that makes sense. Everyone flipped out, though. They're like, no, these they can't get married because that means Why not? They're, they might do S-E-X. And, but, okay. But no one agreed with Eisner, and it never happened. Wow. <laughs> well, I have other feelings about that, friend. <laughs> All so, right, I'm ready for the so next So fireworks. One. We'll watch them this Wednesday and Thursday. Yes. Uh, the Disney Parks blog. Cool. Check them out on Disney Parks blog. All right, next one. Early theme park entry began soft openings on September 26th, that's today, Sunday, for guests staying at participating Disney hotels. A soft opening of early arrival? Yeah, early theme park entry. Oh, right. It's the half hour early for everybody. Yeah, you can only get that if you stay on site now. Right. I'll say that's true. It is true. It was due to start uh, October 1st. They started a soft opening today. Smart. Um, and yeah, it's for guesting at participating Disney hotels. So not just Disney World owned and operated resorts, but also the resorts that are owned by like Marriott and Wyndham that are on the Disney ones on property. The Disney Springs, like? Yeah, Disney it? Springs area, the Bonnet Creek area. Okay, cool. Yeah, pretty good. So they did the soft opening today and um, Hollywood Studios can imagine because rise of the resistance is now standby queue everyone just goes to rise of rise of resistance the rope droppers still waited you know 60 to 90 minutes for the most part interesting i've got one more for you right okay. all right so the new cirque du soleil show postponed indefinitely due to labor shortages and talent contract battles a lot of depressing news this week in disney well disney hasn't had cirque du soleil since like when we went the show lanube was canceled and they haven't yeah. had one yeah there's a new one I didn't know. Oh, yeah, there, yeah. A new one has started since we went? Well, it was going to be starting, Drawn to Life, but now it's yeah. postponed indefinitely. Yeah, I'm going to say that's true. Sorry, that's fake news. Really? Yeah. Oh, so Drawn to Life is opening on schedule November 18th, <gasps> and they just released some awesome preview uh, videos. I would, lo- I would go to see. 
Yeah. I'll link those in the show notes. Know. We should check these out. I think you're going to... I would go down there just for... Like, I wouldn't even go to the parks, but we could go this weekend, and I just, like, it was open. There you go. I'd go see Lanube, and I'd check, check out Epcot. Yeah. I, like, around the If world. we could get park reservations, that would be tough. I think we could. I'm going to look tonight. I'm going to see if it's possible. So, oh, yeah. So, they're... It's opening November 18th. Uh, they started preview videos, and they're going to do a new preview video every week until they open. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Their video production is always good, so. Yeah. No, Cirque du Soleil is awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, that's uh, Finish Up Highly Suspect Headlines. Okay. So now it's time for A Stumps J, where I try to stump Justin with some really interesting, unique, fun uh, facts about anything related to Disney World, Disneyland, Universal, Disney Channel, etc. But mostly okay. just stuff she makes up to make me look dumb. <laughs> it's still stuff. I definitely have stumped Jay. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. I will also say it does take a lot. Like, it, it takes me time to find things that are going to stump him. Like, there's so much that I go through. And I'm like, Jesse, he knows this. He knows this. So, okay. so I'm, I'm working really hard. I'm stumping mm. you. I'm succeeding. Mm. But it's hard. It's hard. I'm making it work for <laughs> Okay, so the first one is, all of you that remember the Disney Channel, and all of you that are, I don't know, even Gen X to, to Millennials, probably remember the love the love for the show Recess. My question for you is, what is the average age of the characters in Recess? Like, how old would they be today? How old would they be today? Yeah. They're all pretty much the same age. I want to say 19... 19- 96 or 2001. Let's say 2001. How old were they then? Well, they were in third grade, so they're eight years old. So, uh, 29. Nice! So, yeah, 29 to 30, because there's some that are a year older. Nice job! Awesome. I knew math. Well, there you go, and you knew more of the math than I I thought. That's awesome. Uh, Was it 2001 that they were? Because it went on for a few years. The thing that I found had done it for like 2017 or 18, so then I added the years because it's 2021. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So correct. Uh, All right. So here's a question about like Disney as a company. What percent of Disney's revenue comes from their like cable and TV? What percent of oh. their revenue would you guess comes from I'm pretty sure cable the TV broadcasting? Of their revenue is parks. And then probably seconded by Disney Plus. You're not including Disney Plus in that. This is just t- cable TV and percentage. TV. No, I would include Disney Plus. It didn't say specifically, but it says cable, and then it also says TV generated. Hmm. Yeah, so, I don't think that would be Disney Plus. No? no I'm going to say 20%. Incorrect. Do you want another guess? Yeah. 21%. No. Buzz Lightyear? It's a lot higher than you're thinking it is. <laughs> uh, so this number is from 2019, but it's okay, the closest. Before Disney Plus really took off. Yes, this All is right. before Disney Plus. All right. It's still much higher than what you're saying. So let's do 37%. 43%. Oh, wow. So almost half, near half of their income comes from not the parks. Wow. Um, which I is, yeah, you, which is I bet you it's a number. lot less now. Well, they've got movies, too. They've From 2019 to now? I, I think, if anything, their revenue from that's gotten higher because of Disney+. Plus. Maybe that's an item for next, well, we could next look, time. Yeah, I, I would love to follow up on that. All right, so number three. 
Justin, again, keeping score, you got the first one correct, you got the second one incorrect. We're on number three. I think. I mean, it, it really depends on your perspective, correct versus incorrect. Mm. You're a behavior analyst, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to think that you have a, there's a right and wrong, right? There's, there's a correct and an incorrect. Yeah, I'm comfortable with ambiguity if it means making you look better, though. Oh, that's right. I'm that kind of behavior uh, you, analyst. You all heard that. <laughs> so I'm gonna, that speaks for itself. Okay, so number three. Disney Channel. So in the 90s and in the early 2000s, Disney Channel enforced a really strict rule, which is kind of weird, surrounding the limits to the episode, like the amount of episodes. What was that number? Wow. Or what was the limit? So Disney this is really enforced a, an episode limit yep. for Disney shows? Dis- yeah. Anything it, that aired on the Disney Channel that they made. Is it like per season or just total? Uh, total. And what year? This was ran. This happened throughout the '90s and the 2000s. Okay, 75 episodes. That's really close. What can I ask you? Why you came to that number? I was just trying to like imagine what the average year, like how many years they ran for, mm-hmm. and then how many episodes could be per season. Yeah. And like, if the show has kids in it, they really can't typically run as long just because kids get older. So. And then I just guessed. You'd have to write. You'd have to age the characters. You'd have to age the characters. So that's a very good guess. It's incorrect, but it's a very good guess. So I'm, I'm going to give you partial credit for that. Yeah, I mean, what was the era so the, of margin in which you were going to give close. me correctness? That's it. I okay. mean, I think you hit it. So so the answer is 65. Okay. And so there's a few uh, reasons for that. So a lot of the shows did well, but some of them didn't. So if mm-hmm. they shortened the show, they could move on to, like, a better idea quicker. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a few other reports that said, because I looked at a few sources for this, that this had more to do with programming and scheduling, which is kind of what Justin was saying, was you could do, you could have four whole new Disney-made shows in a year at 65 episodes. That's basically oh. a quarter that takes 13 weeks. That, Justin, that was really close. I'm going to give you it. half credit for that. I'll take it. I might even give you three quarters. Mm. All right. So yeah, I mean, I think plus or minus 10 is maybe, that, was, that would be cutting very I'd thoughtful. be on the edge of correct. Like, I would have been like, I don't know. But you, like, you took a minute and you had, like, you were on the right, you had the right processing, really. Yeah. Well, my, I mean, my credibility is on the line here. <laughs> no one's going to listen to this podcast if I can't hit a number within plus or minus 10. That's you true. Know? <laughs> That's important. Okay, so here's a fun one. So last week, if you didn't listen, last week was our 10th annual and it was awesome. And I uh, stumped Justin basically on all trivia related to the Disney animated movie, Hercules. It's not how I remember it. So, well, our listeners, listen, I'm not going to say our listeners can go back and and support whoever they they want to. So this one is, is Hercules related. So Hercules directors also directed what other big Disney hit animated movie classic? It was a hit? was a hit. All right, so not the Emperor's New Group, because that was that, not I th- It's so funny, because I thought that did do well. Like, people, everyone, the lead people, you liked it, but it did do poorly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Hercules. So, I'm sorry, uh, the creators? Directors. Directors. People oh. that directed Hercules also directed. I feel so like this connects just... to another trivia question I've given you. Uh, oh, oh, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? No. No. No, no, that's not right. No, um, that's old. Right? Let me try again. Yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is old. You know this movie, Justin. Oh, The Lion King. No. No. You want more guess? No, I'm good. Okay, The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. And so here's a fun fact. So there's a part in Hercules. Oh, I forget her name. 
Megora, Megora, mm-hmm. uh, the love interest, is falling in love with Hercules and she's by herself and she's holding a rose and she's laying down and what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually sings Shalala from The Little Mermaid. Huh. The muses are like singing, are in the background like singing with her. But that's funny because in The Little Mermaid, that's what's being sung, but only to Prince Eric because Prince Eric right. is realizing he's falling in love with her. So it's like a yeah, cute parallel. There you go. I like it. Fun Hercules facts. All right. Another flawless victory. So, yeah, you could say that. You could say that. <laughs> um, I like the positivity, Justin. So that's all for, for A Stumps J. All right. Well, next up is Mailbag. Oh. So I've got another one today. This is coming from Mrs. Smith-Williams, which is an interesting name. Dear sir, get a loan for your business and investments. By way of proper introduction, I am Mrs. Smith-Williams, the senior director, Fetter Loans and Investments. We have currently set up loan acquisition to help various individuals and organizations, I guess that's us, um, who who have intentions of investing, debt consolidation, (laughs) refinancing, and also establishment of business outfits. Weren't we just talking about business outfits? We were just talking about business outfits. So we could establish that. We offer loans. Matching vests. (laughs) We offer loans to individuals and companies all over the world with only 2% interest yearly. That's really good. Wow. Because we could invest some of this in the stock market. Or in these new suits is what I'm thinking. Yeah, like half in suits, half in the stock market. (laughs) We can make more than 2% in the stock market. Yeah. Uh, We pay quickly within 48 hours of receiving your application. Available loans are personal loans, 100,000 to 1 million. And you see here... I see that one, yeah. They list it both in decimal format, but then they also let you know uh, 100,000 to 1M. So in case you don't know that oh. this is what a million looks like, they have it here in parentheses, wow. 1M. For business loans from one from one million to five million, or in parentheses, from 1M to 5M. So, okay, there's a lot of people that don't know that, that can't read that number. <laughs> Investment loans from five million to 50 million, that's 5M to 50M. You are expected to inform us of the exact loan amount requested, that's fair. So as to enable sure. us to provide you with loan terms and conditions, email address, and then she put her email address here. This is just a really good deal. I'm seeing $50 million, so 50 I think we I think we do it. Let's go for the top, because this is <laughs> such a good deal. So yeah, I already sent her um, I mean, our $50 socials. million, dollars, we're definitely going to Disney World this weekend, is all mm-hmm. I'm saying about that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter. We're just going to be ballers. Like, we'll, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll get, get in. We'll find a way. We'll be able to like buy those special tickets if nobody's buying and have like a tour guide. Yeah. And at 2% interest, I mean, we're really... That's not even the... That's not even, That's like that's, the rate of inflation. This is great. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Well, thank you, um... Mrs. Smith-Williams. I was going to say Mrs. Sir, but it's Mrs. and then Senior Director, but I read it. We're glad you enjoy the show, and thank you for offering us this great Yeah, we appreciate it. Justin and I are going to think about it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. I'm excited to be here, as always. Don't forget to tell your dentist, and I will be with you all next week. Bye. Thanks, Autumn. Thank you for joining me for another trip planning segment. In this trip planning segment, we're going to be talking about meals. First, we will be talking about valuing your dining experiences. Then we'll talk a little bit about different types of dining at Walt Disney World. Uh, We'll touch on the Disney dining plan briefly, and we'll talk about hotel cookery, as I like to call it. 
Then we'll talk about bringing food into the park to save a little bit of money and maybe so you can stick to your dietary restrictions. Okay, so first let's talk about how important is dining to you. Number one, when you dine, do you need to be seated and waited on? If that's important to you, you're gonna spend a little bit more money at Walt Disney World for sit-down restaurants. If you want just the finest food, well, that's something you need to consider when budgeting, for sure. If you're not so picky, then you will spend less. Everyone has different opinions on dining. To some people, it's very important that they get to sit down and be waited on. Other people have no problem getting their food at a counter and then eating it at a table, if they can find one, or on a trash can, if you're in Epcot. The key here is your expectations. Like everything else in Disney World, food is expensive. For the amount of money you pay in Disney World, um, just like for the amount of money that you pay for lodging, you can easily get a much better experience outside of the world. Having said that, you are in Walt Disney World on vacation, so this is where you could be buying your food. So after considering what you value in eating, whether it is service or quality of food or quantity of food or theming, experience, fun, once you figure that out, go ahead and do some research. Look at some different restaurants. There's so many in Walt Disney World, it would be a bit silly to go through all of them here. So I would just recommend you go ahead and check out YouTube, check out uh, touringplan.com, check out WDWinfo. All these great resources with good reviews um, and you know if you're watching videos on YouTube you can actually get a peek of what you uh, what you'll be served so broadly now we'll just go over the different types of uh, dining or uh, all the different ways you can eat at Walt Disney World so the first you've got snacks this is your carts this is some kiosks typically less than ten dollars sometimes more little small things to carry you over to make interesting Instagram posts to share. Some of it uh, very predictable, popcorn pretzels. Some of it a little bit different, cheeseburger egg rolls. Um, so those are your snacks. Then you have your quick service. And this is gonna be where you go up to a counter, you order your food, then you take your food and you bring it to a table. Um, so basically fast food, but I would say by and large, much different than typical fast food. The quality, the variety, and the creativity that you see in Walt Disney World quick service food, much different than what you'd expect from regular fast food. Next, we have sit-down dining. So sit-down dining is just that. You'll be seated and someone will come over to you and take your order, just like a restaurant, just like any other restaurant. They have those at Disney World too. They have them in the parks, they have them outside of the parks. They have all different types. They have your a la carte where you're going to be ordering you know the items you want off the menu they have buffet um, they have family style uh, where they bring uh, platters of food to your table uh, many of the buffets have been replaced currently uh, with family style dining um, following the pandemic we're not sure if buffets will reappear they have not as of right now but by the end of the summer who knows and then your sit-downs that are just one notch above your signature dining. For signature dining, it's a little bit fancier, a little bit more expensive, or a lot bit more expensive. So signature dining is basically just one notch above. Uh, that isn't always the case. I've had dining experiences at signature dining that didn't stack up to my expectations, and honestly, I would have been happier with some quick service. And then you have your super signature dining. <laughs> Uh, Victoria and Alberts. They have a fixed price menu, uh, seven course 
uh, fixed price menu, $185, $250 if you want wine. For about 50% more, you can get a 10 course table side uh, cooking experience in the Queen Victoria room. They also have the chef's table in the kitchen. Uh, so that's a really next level exciting stuff. I haven't done that personally, but everyone that I hear talk about this, even though it costs what it does, I've heard so many people say it is the best value in Disney World because the quality and experience is just so tremendous. So this is a bucket list item for mine. This is something I will go ahead and recommend that you take a look at on YouTube if you're going down to Disney World to celebrate something special. This might be something worth checking out. And then we have something to consider here. Out of the world dining, let's call it that. So there are a lot of restaurants outside of Disney World. West Earl Bronson Highway, and then you have Main Gate East with uh, iDrive. There's just this huge, huge amount of chain restaurants, uh, non-chain restaurants. There's so much out there. And some of it's gonna be real bad tourist trap, unpleasant food, a lot of it. For the money that you're going to pay, outside of the world, you're going to have a great dining experience. There's also the Olive Garden, if you want to check that out. I think there's like 14 Olive Gardens on iDrive, <laughs> by last count. So yeah, it's going to take you a little bit longer to get there, for sure, and you are leaving the Disney bubble, but if you're not staying on property, then, I mean, there's really some great options out there. And the, the competition's so, so vast that these restaurants out there do have to they have to give you good value, you know, or at least appear exciting. <laughs> and now my favorite category of dining at Walt Disney World, and that's uh, hotel eating, cooking, and packed meals. This is where I shine. So I really, really do uh, enjoy this. Not just at Disney World, but whenever I go on vacation, I like preparing my own food. Uh, I consider it a challenge to do it in a hotel room, especially a hotel room without a kitchen. Uh, and I take that challenge wholeheartedly. <laughs> and we'll get we'll get to more of that later. But now let's just kind of compare two of these categories, two of the most common categories that you might encounter. If you're going to be your sit-downs versus your quick service. A lot of people say, you know, what should I do here? Am I going to enjoy quick service? Is sit-down worth the hassle? So let's just break it down a little bit. So for sit-downs, here's some pros. It's a nice ear-conditioned break uh, during the day. You're, you're off your feet, someone's bringing you ice water, you're just chilling. That's cool. Also, there are some really fun dining experiences. There are some dinner shows. You think about the Hoop-dee-doo review. Hopefully that'll come back soon. Um, or maybe not a show, but just these experiences like Ohana, where it's the Rodizio style table service. They're bringing you skewers of food. There's a gentleman or a lady with a ukulele. I mean, that, that's an experience, right? So you get that with, you can get that with a sit down. Now in general, uh, you're gonna get better value and quality outside of the parks. I'm not saying outside of the world. Well, that's probably true as well, but just going to the resorts for sit downs, you're gonna get a little bit better food and you'll probably pay a little bit less than in the parks just because of location. So those are some pros for sit downs. Here are some cons. Often with the really popular sit downs, you have to book them pretty far out. So right now the booking window is 60 days. It, before pandemic, it was 180 days. We're not sure when it'll go back to 180 days, but for those most popular restaurants like Ohana, like Be Our Guest, you will want to book at the beginning of the booking window. 
That's not to say you can't pick those up a little bit later on. If you keep checking your app, you know, people make cancellations and you've just got to be there to, to scoop up those reservations when they get canceled. So, but that's a con. It's a little bit more of a hassle, right? Another con is the price. You know, we're talking average $40 for adults plus your tip, you know, gratuity is, is expected and, and necessary. Another con, a sit-down meal can kind of eat up your day. If you don't have a lot of time at the parks or you're really just gun-ho on maximizing your, your attraction value, sit-downs can kind of eat up your time. You know, it takes time to be seated, it takes time to eat. Disney World does do a really good job of getting you in and getting you out. Compared to other restaurants, there's a real motivation just due to the amount of people that they have coming through. They want to get you up and out. But it could, especially if you're leaving the park and going to get something to eat in a resort, that could eat up a little bit of your park time. And I'll give one more con. I think, and this maybe applies to the signature dining, when you're spending a lot of money, you might have much higher expectations. I know I do. And when your expectations are not met, it can hurt a little bit more. So when your expectations aren't met, I would say just bring it to the attention of a cast member. Be polite, but let them know that your expectations weren't met. You know, you're paying for an expensive dinner and you can politely, kindly let them know that your expectations have not been met. And generally they will try and do something um, to, to make you happy because they, they do want you to have a good time. Okay, so let's talk about quick services. Here's some pros. Typically, they're better than regular fast food. Like I said before, this is not McDonald's. This is not Burger King. Uh, you can get a burger and you can get a bad gray burger too. You know, if you want a, a bad gray burger, I think uh, Cosmic Rays in Tomorrowland is a pretty good place for that. <laughs> I'm gonna get some email from the Cosmic Ray lovers. But there are really some inventive, creative quick services. I'm thinking Satuli Canteen in Pandora. You know, I'm thinking Ronto Rosers uh, over in Galaxy's Edge. There's some really creative, fun, uh, quick service restaurants. Uh, there's also some where you can you can go and, and make everyone happy, like um, in the Land Pavilion in Epcot. There's a little bit of uh, something for everyone in that place. Here's another pro. Quick service costs about half of what sit-down costs. Maybe even less considering the tip. So if you're looking to save money, you know, you can eat good quick service without compromising a ton in quality. You just might have to eat outside. There's some sit down locations that have indoor seating like Pecos Bill in Frontierland. But yeah, you won't get the service. You won't get someone asking you if you want more water. But if you're looking to save some money, that's another good thing about quick service. Another pro for quick service is that it offers flexibility and time-saving, honestly, when touring. I talked about time-saving before as a con for sit-downs, but think about the flexibility that quick service gives you. You can eat when you're hungry. Now, <laughs> one thing about that is, if you eat when you're hungry, you're probably also going to be eating when everyone else in the park is hungry. So you will face some lines, and that's gonna be our first con for quick service, is you, you're, you're probably gonna have to wait in line, especially if you wanna eat during peak time. Now, mobile ordering has helped with this, um, and I think there are many restaurants, many quick service restaurants where mobile ordering is required, but either way, mobile ordering helps a little bit for, with that. Uh, another way to help with that, to help with those lines around quick service, is to eat during off times. 
So, you know, maybe you get lunch at 11 or maybe you have dinner at four or you have dinner at seven. You get like a snack to hold you over or you bring a snacks in from outside to hold you over and you eat during off times. Another con for quick service to consider, you might have to eat out in the heat. That's a bummer. If it's real hot, there's a few quick service that don't have indoor seating. A lot of them don't. You might have to fight for a table. There's, there's quite a few quick services where you might have to fit, fight for a table. And like I said, the quality is variable. You know, there's some really good quality, some really creative stuff, and there's some pretty mediocre stuff. All right, so that was a comparison of sit downs to quick services. Let's talk a little bit about the dining plan because this is the easy dizzit podcast, right? So we get to talk about things that will make your planning a little bit easier. And the dining plan is one of them. It will make your planning easier. You just have to pay the money up front. You select the plan you want, whether you want the quick service plan. It's just two quick service meals a day uh, and snack credits. And they offer different levels of credits for each one of these dining experiences. So this eliminates the need for you to budget for your food because you're paying for it all up front. Uh, this does lock you in to eating at Disney unless you want to lose a lot of value. Uh, so you will be now eating at Disney. You're not eating at Universal City Walk or Westerlo Bronson Highway, which is probably fine for most people. Me, I'm going to want to hit that salad buffet. <laughs> that $6 salad buffet is where it's at. <laughs> but, um, but for people who plan on just staying in Disney and not leaving the bubble, that that can be that can be good this can save you some time however it is not going to save you money there are calculators out there on the web i'll link one in the show notes that help you understand um, if the dining plan will save you money and it is very rare that it will uh, having the disney dining plan save you money would require you optimizing it pretty significantly which honestly is a lot of work and that may uh, entail you eating at places you planned on not eating at or ordering food like the filet at La Cellière that maybe you don't even like filet. Maybe you're more of a ribeye guy like me, but to get that value for the credits, you, you order the filet. Honestly, the filet isn't really that good of a cut of meat. It's just soft. And who wants soft meat? It's all about the ribeye. I digress. What, what was I talking about? Disney dining plan. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, trying to optimize the plan to make it a money-saving deal might be more work than it's worth and it might be more work than just budgeting that uh that high quality food the disney dining plan is not available currently i imagine it will be coming back soon as more as more of these restaurants get back online but if you're looking for that uh peace of mind pay for your food upfront concept one thing that people are doing is they're putting their dining money on gift cards they're saying this is the 600 dollars i have for dining and they're using that gift card when purchasing food at Disney World. So that's the dining plan. Now we'll get on to, hmm, definitely my favorite topic, and that is what I like to call Hotel Cookery 101. So the first step to Hotel Cookery is you, you need some groceries. So you can get groceries delivered uh, through Amazon Prime, Whole Foods, Garden Grocer. These are all websites, you place the order online and it gets delivered to your hotel. There is a food holding charge if the front desk needs to hold the, the food, if you're not there. Um, now, some people have said that. I personally have not been charged that food. They have held the food without that, but I think it's maybe at the discretion of the cast member or maybe the, the policy of the individual hotels. I'm not sure. 
but there's definitely a $6 fee if you want those packages delivered to your room. So Amazon can't deliver to your room if you want um, the hotel, the Disney hotel to deliver it to your room, it's $6 each. Another option, if you don't want to get the delivery, if you don't want to figure out that window, you can go to Publix. If you have a car, it's right down the road. It's like 15 minutes away. There's a Publix uh, right on West Earl Robinson Highway. Or you could Uber over. Uh, if the Uber rates have gone down a little bit from where they are right now, that might be a reasonable solution. So, you now you've got the food. What do you do with it? Well, there's different kinds of food you can get, right? There's a lot of people will just get breakfast items. They'll get snacks to bring into the park. They'll get a case of water and that's cool. That's going to save you some money. If you can eat one meal in your room, that reduces how much you'll spend at the parks by a third. Now you still have to buy the groceries, but it's much cheaper than what Disney's charging for breakfast. That's for sure. So what level of hotel cookery do you want to engage in? You can do cook-free prep. We're talking sandwiches, wraps, salads, prepared foods. Publix has some great fried chicken, and I do not mind cold fried chicken. So if you want to bring some fried chicken into the park, that is cheap, that is delicious. Everyone's going to be jealous when you're walking past um, the, the line or the mobile ordering scrum at uh, Woody's Toy Box and everyone's waiting for their tater tots and you're just eating this delicious fried chicken strolling by, they're gonna all be jealous. Think, okay, those are the foods that you can bring into the park, you can pack into the park, or you can eat in the hotel room that don't require cooking. So you can do this in a regular hotel room. Now say you're in a regular hotel room um, and it doesn't have a kitchen, it's just a regular old hotel room, there's some things you can bring to help you cook. We're talking a crock pot. People do it. Uh, obviously, bringing a crock pot on Spirit Airlines is probably not doable, but if you're driving, crock pot or Instapot, um, or something that could fit in your checked uh, airline luggage, or we brought one when we, we went on the train, is a travel skillet. You can get a small, flat skillet, uh, weighs about three pounds, packs flat, pop it in your suitcase, and hey, you're having grilled cheeses. We had, uh, every breakfast, we had a bacon avocado egg creation. Some kind of bacon avocado egg sandwich on um, like sourdough bread with cheddar cheese. It was delicious. It was the best way to start the day. The total cost was like three and a half dollars a sandwich for like something in the parks that would easily cost $14, $15. Now, do you want to wake up an hour before everyone else and start breakfast on your travel skillet? I do, but I'm weird. You may not. So this this level of involvement is not for everyone. It is for me. It's part of the fun. It's like, hey, watch what I can do with this travel skillet. Now say you don't want to buy any gear. <laughs> you want to get creative. This is a fun little trick. Uh, you, you've got some parchment paper or foil. Guarantee you there's a clothing iron in the room. With some time, you can make a pretty decent grilled cheese. Uh, a little bit of olive oil, maybe some fresh herbs on the bread. <laughs> Fold it up nice, put the cheese in there. I mean, for a family of four, that's gonna take you some serious time. If it's just you, maybe a buddy, you can do some clothing iron, grilled cheeses. Uh, maybe, maybe impress a friend. Another option is getting a hotel with a fully equipped kitchen. Now, off-site, this is going to be much cheaper. There are a lot of suites um, in the Disney World area where you can get a fully equipped kitchen for $90 to $120 a night. 
Um, it's not going to be Disney quality, uh, but there are also, if you're willing to pay $200 a night, which honestly is what you're going to be paying at, you know, Pop Century, uh, you can you can get a nice, fully equipped kitchen not too far from Disney World. Now, as far as kitchens in Disney World, there you're going to need to get a DVC suite, a Disney Vacation Club suite. So if you're not a DVC member, you can rent these points. Uh, there are websites that uh, arrange for you to rent points from DVC uh, members. Our next vacation, this is what we'll be doing. We're going to stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Pretty excited about that. Uh, so there you can get a nice full kitchen. You can do all your, your cooking uh, and you don't need to use a clothing iron or a travel skillet. <laughs> so of course, you know, on property, this is going to cost you a lot more, even through renting the points. You're looking at you know five to six hundred dollars a night for an animal kingdom uh, one bedroom uh, suite with the full kitchen so that's it hotel cookery you can go from making sandwiches to making a chicken cacciatore in your crock pot or a uh, bacon egg and avocado breakfast sandwich each morning i'll say one more thing about the breakfast sandwich in the morning if you are in disney world with a pregnant wife waking her up with the smell of bacon, it's a good bet. It's a good start to the day. It's a good start to the day. Okay, so this last segment, we're gonna talk about bringing food into the park. And I'm gonna start this by just reading you something right from the Disney website. Guests are allowed to bring outside food and non-alcoholic beverage items into the park for self-consumption, provided they are not in glass containers and do not require heating, reheating, processing, refrigeration, or temperature control, and do not have pungent odors. Inform a security cast member of any food items when you enter the park. So, they're basically saying as long as you don't have to keep it cold and you don't have to reheat it, you can bring it in. I know for certain, don't try and bring a cooler with ice, but I have brought ice packs into the park. Uh, if you, if I wouldn't rely on cooling, like maybe not egg salad sandwiches, but I have brought ice packs in or frozen water bottles and wrapped them up with the food. By and large, they're pretty forgiving with this. You cannot bring in a wheeled cooler. I've brought some stinky food in and I didn't get any looks, but your mileage may vary. So there's two ways you can do this, bringing, bringing food in. Two approaches I, I like to think of. So you can pack your snacks and eat meals in the park. So bring in your snacks and eat your meals in the parks. This uh, lets you eat in off times so because you, you have these snacks to go ahead and hold you over a little bit. This reduces the amount of those impulse buys, those impulse snack buys, which you will make at Disney World. I often start off very disciplined. You know, I've got nuts and goldfish and I, I do not need that delicious pretzel on day one, but day five, I'm like, give me the egg rolls. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, a little bit of planning, at least we start strong, right? So I like a mix of savory and sweet, because those are the two things. You always want savory and sweet. And maybe if you've only got savory and you see something sweet, you might buy the sweet. But if you're looking to save a little bit of money, bring yourself some candy and some, some salty things too. So I like, you know, energy dense stuff like nuts, jerky, those cracker sandwiches, the peanut butter or cheese cracker sandwiches candy i like candy and there's so much candy at disney world but it's it's disney prices so bring in your own candy uh if you got kids maybe bring in some disney shaped candy they don't know if they're little you know just slip it to them like oh i just i was at the emporium i got you this like dad this looks like dollar store candy shut up <laughs>
bring in some fruit snacks. Bring in some fruit leather. Bring in some fresh fruit. You know, um, autumn, my wife will eat a banana. She will eat apples. Uh, I don't eat either of those foods, but if I did, I would bring them in. And the other option, the other way of looking at this is maybe a little bit cheaper than packing snacks and eating your meals at Disney is pack your meals and buy the snacks. So if you're really into Disney World for the cool, interesting snacks they have, plan to buy those, but bring in a sandwich, bring in a salad for your lunch, eat your breakfast on the way there, eat your breakfast in the hotel room before you go. You'll save a little bit more money that way, honestly. The, the quick service lunch, you know, and quick service breakfast, that's 45 bucks. You spend, I don't know, eight bucks on a packed lunch and breakfast. You're going to save more money doing that. Eating the Disney food for me is definitely part of the experience. It's not the biggest part of the experience, but I do like to eat Disney food. You know, it's there, it's fun, everyone else is doing it. So even though I do love saving money, I would never say don't eat anything in the parks. And if you, you really want to save money, you know, you might bring in your meals, but treat yourself to that pretzel or treat yourself to that cool new Instagram food. All right, and that wraps up my outlook on dining at Disney World. So a little bit different than maybe some other summaries that you've listened to. I encourage you to check out those YouTube videos, check out those review sites for more detailed information on them. Uh, but I hope that this overview was helpful to you. Thank you so much for listening. And hey, if you've got any tips of your own or you disagree vehemently with something I said, maybe I said something really bonehead, shoot me an email, easydizitpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what a numbskull I am, and maybe I will incorporate your advice on the next iteration of this trip planning segment. Welcome to the interview segment. Today we have a bit of a different interview. It's not quite Disney people because we're going to talk to someone who really likes Universal. Um, and it's actually going to be more of a Justin needs help kind of thing because I don't know much about Universal. So I'd like to introduce you and say hello to Dee. Hi Dee. Hello. How is it going today? Are you excited to talk about Universal? Always. <laughs> Alright, so we are going to talk about Universal, but this is a Disney podcast. So before we talk about Universal, I have to ask you, have you been to the Disney parks? I have, a couple times. Cool, cool. Because I'm probably going to ask you at some point, you know, I know they're different animals, but to compare, you know? So that's, okay, good to know. You've been to all the Disney parks down there in Disney World? Not all of them. I've done Epcot, Magic Kingdom, and Animal Kingdom. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so Universal. You prefer Universal. I do. Why do you prefer Universal? There's a couple reasons. The main one is the Harry Potter world. That's my, the big draw for me. In both parts, yeah. islands and Universal have Harry Potter parks. But it's also a lot more adult friendly. True. Like there's still a lot going on for the kids and stuff, but Universal caters to their adult crowd a little bit better. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. I've, like, uh, even just thinking about like the Halloween events, the Universal Halloween event is much oh, for more sure. adult. That is not kid friendly. <laughs> That's not even me friendly. I don't do Halloween there. <laughs> yeah, I don't like being scared. I, I've been to one and it was kind of, but I think if I were down there at that time, I'd have to try it. But I tried it once because I, I figured I'd be safe if I just didn't go in any of the haunted houses and I just kind of walked around and enjoyed the vibe. Uh-huh. But the scare actors blend in with the crowd there. Uh... There are only specific zones that are safe zones. Anywhere else in the park, 
you're subject to jump scares. We walked behind a couple for like a good two minutes. We thought it was just another couple and then a dude turned around with a chainsaw. Oh no, that's so good though. That's so tricky. They're really good. (laughs) If you like that kind of thing, it's well worth going, but I'm not into jump scares. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Harry Potter and I do, we, you know, me and you go way back and I did know you were a Harry Potter fan. So I had a feeling that was part of this. Yeah. So tell me about Harry Potter. Like when did you start, did you start reading Harry Potter or or watching the movies first? Oh, I started reading them. Uh, The second book was already out when I started. So I was a little bit late to the bandwagon, but probably 1999, How many books are there now? Seven, not including the- Seven. So, I mean, that's- that's pretty early as far as wagons go. I think you're yeah, at the front of the wagon train. A solid fan. <laughs> yeah. And do you like the movies too? I, I like them for what they are, yeah. I think they could have been done a little bit better, but I think they're excellent. Okay, so you, you'd say you're more of a book fan than a movie fan? For sure. Okay, so now tell me about, just tell me about maybe the first time you went to the parks. Yeah, let's go there. Like, what was it like? What stuck out to you the first time you went to the Wizarding World? I was so excited to get into the parks. I had to stop to pee like 15 times just on the way to the park because I was absolutely <laughs> giddy. I could not wait to walk in. We decided we got the two park pass originally. Now I have the three park pass because we wanted to add the water park. Um, but so we went to Universal first so we could see Diagon Alley first. And you walk in okay. through King's Cross Station. Like they have you go through the wall more or less to get into Diagon Alley. Yeah. You get the real feel for it. And then you go in and it's this enclosed space that looks just like Diagon Alley in the movies and what you would imagine in the books. And uh, it's just, it's hard to describe. It's a really good (laughs) feeling to walk in there and feel like you're walking into the movie. Oh, we went crazy that first time. You felt like you were there. Oh yeah, for sure. And then we took the train over to Hogsmeade, which is in the other park, Islands of Adventure. Yeah. And you walk in, you just see the castle in the background. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, That sounds great. They did a really good job. I think from a um, like a financial perspective, I think it was really smart to split it between two parks. So you need to have that two park pass. Yep. <laughs> Pretty clever. They absolutely did that. You can't even ride the train without the pass. The train is like an attraction, right? Like there's right. something there. It's a very short ride, but it's they have like the moving screen. So you feel like you're on the train and you hear the character voices in the background. The Dementors board the train at some point. Awesome. What? So that was your first trip. Now, having been quite a few times, what's your favorite? Let's do attraction first, like ride. What's your favorite ride? Probably the castle, Forbidden Journey. It's really fun. It's an indoor coaster. It's a, actually a little bit intense as far as the rides that I like. You go upside down at a certain point, but you're in an enclosed. And which space. which one is that in? It's inside the castle in Islands of Adventure. Okay, so Hogsmeade in Islands of Adventure. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one with the. It's like you're you're in a ride vehicle that moves from scene to scene, but the ride vehicle moves right a yep. lot. Is that sound? Yep. That's it. Yeah, the other Harry Potter ride is more of a stationary coaster. The Gringotts. Got it. But now they also have Hagrid's, which was a lot of fun, but way closer to a roller coaster than I was expecting it to be. It's very much a roller coaster. Gotcha. <laughs> I saw that, and it looks really good. <laughs> it's intense, but it was fun. The car design is really intriguing to me, that there's like a bike and the sidecar. And it's supposed to be a totally different experience in each seat. I've only ever sat on the bike. <laughs> Were you done after that one? Are you not yeah. a big coaster fan? <laughs> I would probably do it again. I just have to have my brave pants on that day. 
<laughs> gotcha. And gotcha. the lines of uh, where it used to be pretty extreme, but now that they opened the new Jurassic Park coaster, the lines in Hogsmeade have gone down a lot. Well, that's good for Hogsmeade. I also heard that is also a very good coaster. If you're into coasters, it's supposed to be one of the best. <laughs> I am into coasters, <laughs> and that's so. If if you could say I had a beef with with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and I've I've never been there, but the one beef I have is that uh, there used to be a coaster there. It used to be the Dueling, Dueling Dragons, Dragons, and then they trained it to the Dragon Challenge. Yeah, and it was like my favorite roller coaster. It was um, a Bollinger and Malabar dual track coaster, and they're my favorite manufacturer. And just it, they were literally at, up until 2010, they'd launch them simultaneously, so there'd be like near misses. Super exciting nope. ride. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's that spot in the park is where Hagrid's is now. That's where Hagrid's is. Okay, and I've heard Hagrid's is good, so okay, fine, I get it. You know, moving, moving on moving from on. the old. They need to do a lot of updating in those parks, and they're slowly making their way around. They finally just closed their Barney exhibit. Really? This year. <laughs> Barney's the worst. He's not my favorite, and he was very much present in the Universal Parks until this year. <laughs> Fivel still has a playground, though. I hope they don't take that away. I liked Fivel. Five goes west. Five If there's a five kids play area, oh wow! I think that's in studios. It's over by ET. Wow, that's a bit. Di- well, also ET. The fact that that's still there. I hope they never get rid of that ride. That's an opening day attraction. That's a yeah. really good ride. They've gotten rid of so many of them that I think they have to like hold on to one that fans can keep going back. To. They gotta. All right. So Wizarding World. Going back to Wizarding World. Say you and I were going. You having known that I've never been. And I've never read a book. I've seen one of the movies, but I forgot about it already. What? How are we friends? I know. (laughs) (laughs) I need to rectify the situation, and I will before I go down. For sure. Because the the, the books are actually, I think they're still, they're free on Amazon Prime. So I will will read the books. books. But say that we were going right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't have that much of like an emotional attachment to Harry Potter. But I do enjoy theming. What would we do first? Like, how would we approach it? Which park would we go into? And what would you have me experience? I think we would still start the way that I started, starting in Diagon Alley, which is Harry's introduction into the Wizarding World and your introduction. Mm. And walking through the wall, it's kind of into a whole different world that doesn't look like it could fit in that spot. Because mm. it's just like a facade of buildings and then you walk through the wall and there's a whole new park. Ah. It's a really, it's an awe-inspiring moment. So definitely start there. Well, I take you to the candy shop. I feel like you would really dig Fred and George's joke shop. Okay. I like candy and jokes. Yes. Got like fever fudge and the skiving snack boxes were to help you get out of class of sick. You'd eat one end and it would make you sick. The teacher would send you out and then you'd eat the other end and it would cure you. Oh, that's it. That's so a, that you could go do whatever devious. You that's devious. I've heard the shops there are pretty um they're pretty detailed. They and, are. Like, there's yeah. a lot going on in the shops. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that all the shops have a little bit of something different. You can find like the main gift shops will have all of like the house stuff, um, the robes, the wands, but each stop, each shop has specific products that are only found in that shop. That's awesome. There's a, a magical pet store where you can find exclusive stuffed animals. Uh, the Wizarding Robe store has some shirts and stuff that you can't find anywhere else. I love that. So it kind of entices you to check out every store. Yeah. And, and also like a bit of realism. Yeah. 
It, it breaks the whole moment if you're in Harry Potter world and there's Jurassic Park stuff. So you can't see that until you go over the bridge. As far as all right, so yeah, let back in our so we you take me to the shops. Where where do we eat? What's the best food in either of those parks? Mm. So in Harry Potter world, I've actually only tried the leaky cauldron and three broomsticks. Those are the two main eateries. That's actually my be. I've also tried the two ice cream stores, so I think I've actually hit every place that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> I've only tried each restaurant. The Harry Potter world was good. It was a little bit pricey for what it is, but it's a theme park. Yeah. And the theme experience of sitting in either the Leaky Cauldron or the Three Broomsticks and having a meal is really cool. Definitely worth doing once. I hear the Leaky Cauldron has a really good breakfast, but you have to get there super early for that. There's always a quite a Got long it. wait. Um, there's a way to get reservations, but that's like a VIP thing. I think it's part of a hotel package. I did not know that. Interesting. I should know that. I'm going to have to read up on that. <laughs> so you mentioned getting there early. Do you, are you typically not uh, an early person to the parks? It depends. When I first started going, I definitely was because I wanted to see everything and get on everything first but now that I've ridden yeah. all the rides that I want to go on sure. I like to wake up casually and have my coffee and avoid that first rush of security because that's yeah. everybody gets there at the same exact time in the morning so if you wait till like 9 the line is gone that makes sense that makes sense. And you're like a local now, so you can, you have more opportunities, so you're not as like pressured to have a jam-packed day, right? Right, yeah. I live only an hour and a half away, and typically when I go, I still spend two or three days there, because the pass holder uh, gives you a great discount at the hotels, so you can stay there pretty cheap. That's awesome. Because I know you're going to be spending your money elsewhere. <laughs> All right. All right, so we got something to eat, and then it's running late. We got to go. We only have time for one ride. Which which would we do? Knowing you're a fan of coasters, I'd probably take you on Hagrid's. I think you'd really like that. All right, are we going on it together? Or are you going to get on it again? I'll do it one more time, but you'd have to be in the sidecar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> deal, deal. Excellent. So Harry Potter, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is definitely your favorite part of the park. Mm. Uh, it's what drew you there. What else do you like about Universal and Islands of Adventure? Is there? I really like that it's a theme park that I can enjoy as not a big fan of coasters. They have a lot of indoor coasters that I feel much better about. They have a lot of virtual coasters that are a lot of fun. Mm. Um, even some of the rides geared more towards kids. I have a good time with the Minions ride. I think it's one of their better rides. Is that a sh like a shooter ride? No, it's near. It's set up. Um, trying to think, was Jimmy Fallon there when you were there? That ride, the ride there near. No, City? no. Okay. But it's, I know I'm familiar with the ride. Though, yeah, they're so a very like similar setup. Like you're in a big car with rows and then the whole car moves, but you have a 3D screen in front of you. So it feels like you're cool. flying around. There are a lot of screen rides at Universal. There Islands. are, yeah. They're done really well. Um, some of the older ones are getting a little bit dated, like Spider-Man. Yeah. You feel like you're on an older ride, but that one's still a lot of fun. That's definitely in my top 10. Yeah. I went on that the last time I was down there. Um, at, at last time I was in that park, and that was probably, well, it had to be at least, I'm 37, it had to be at least 17 years ago. And at that time, I was while. like, that's a good ride. It's a little dated, but it's a good <laughs> ride. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it usually has a really short wait time, and it's right, if you're doing the full loop around islands the way that I go, I usually go through Seuss World up to the castle, mm -hmm. and then through Jurassic. So on your way out, the last part that you're going through is that superhero island. 
So it's usually a good ride to hop on right before the end of the day to catch one more. Yeah, the whole um, situation with, you know, Disney buying um, Marvel, but Universal retaining the rights, their theme park rights, it's really interesting. And I wonder if they'll ever just give up on it, you know? I don't think so, because they have so many, the Hulk is one of their biggest drawers still. Yeah. They don't ever want to give that up. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So I wanted to mention, I don't know if you knew this, or actually, let me frame it this way. Let me frame it this way. If the Wizarding World of Harry Potter were in Disney World, would you be a Disney World pass holder and not a Universal pass holder? That's tough. (laughs) I probably, probably. Uh, yeah, I'd have to go see Harry Potter. I'd probably have both passes. You think so? Universe is just a little bit more laid back, less crowded, less lines. It's just it's an easier day, I feel. Did you know that that almost happened? That it was almost in Disney World? Really? I did not know that. J.K. Rowling had signed like a letter of intent to build with Disney. Um, but in the discussions, uh, they were not comfortable with the level of creative control that she wanted to maintain. Mm-hmm. She always wants that, yeah. So they parted ways, and Universal's like, hey, we'll do whatever you want, and we'll pay, you know, we will pay for the, like, the, the theming. We will make it what you want it to be. I guess it worked out. They did an excellent job. It looks like you're walking on the movie set. It's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Next time I'm down there, I'm going to Universal. And I was going to say, well, I'll just do one park, but then no, because I need to see Wizarding World, so I need to do both parks. (laughs) (laughs) It'll happen. And there's usually some kind of deal where you can add that second park on if you do multiple days for not a lot of money. They run specials pretty often. They have good deals. That's another thing about, like, right, the Disney World prices keep jumping and jumping. And Universal, like, even just, like, the... um, the rooms, the Disney World room rates go up, and people don't. That's not as obvious as ticket prices, but Universal rates right now they have really good deals for what you get. Yeah. When you go, you you mentioned you like to stay in the hotels. Do you have like a favorite hotel that you like? My favorite is Cabana Bay. If the parks aren't very busy, it's not their premier hotel. It's like the higher end of their lower hotels. It's retro themed. They've got a couple pools and they've got a lazy river and it's connected to the water park, which is nice because we like to go hang out in the lazy That's river. Awesome. Um, so it's a little bit cheaper. Their base rate for pass holders is $89 a night cannot be in That's Orlando, never mind on a resort with deal. transportation, but we pay a little bit extra for the park view room, it's like 20 bucks a night, and you, they have the floor to ceiling windows, and you can just look out over the water park. Ah, that's awesome. For $20, so we, we Over uh, Volcano Bay probably yeah. looks crazy at night. It does, it's all lit up, very cool. <laughs> All right, Dee, before I let you go, is there anything else that I should know or anything else cool about Universal you want to share? So when I first started going to the parks, I found a team member who told us about these Facebook groups. There are two different Facebook groups, UO Rocks and Universally Crafted, Uh where the members are mostly pass holders and team members who make universally themed crafts, and they hide them throughout the parks. Up until this year, it wasn't allowed at Disney, but Disney just relaxed the rules and said that they're allowed to participate in this as well. People get really, really into it. Um, And what I do when I go to the parks is I turn on my notifications for those groups. And all day long, people are posting pictures of where they're hiding these really cool little homemade crafts. So you can take home free souvenirs and go on a little scavenger hunt. It's a really cool community that, that I was not expecting to find in a theme park. That is so cool. And I can totally see why Disney would be 
Disney just wants control, you know? Yeah. Well, because it's free souvenirs. They're not going to make money. (laughs) But I think they saw what was happening in Universal was that it was creating this drive for people to keep going back and keep hiding and keep finding. Yeah. And it's a big part of the reason. I was planning on canceling my annual pass after a year, and now I just can't because I've made friends. There you go. And I want to find all the crafts. It's like the uh, community, right? It's a community. Yeah. And yeah, a whole bunch of nerds that just like to make some crafty things. Love it. Yes, yes. Have you made any crafts yourself? I have. I've painted a few rocks and hidden them around the parks. Uh, Nothing too cool. crazy yet. What are some like typical hiding places? You don't have to give away like your secret hiding place, but like, are we putting them like behind trash cans? Like, yeah, there's a few rules for hiding. You can't hide in stores or on attractions or in restaurants. Okay. But everything other than that is fair game. A lot of the times in like the little seating areas that they have set up around the park, you'll find them like in the bushes, behind rocks. People like to hide them on top of statues. Uh, Mayor Quimby, not Mayor Quimby, Chief Wiggum in Simpson World always has something hidden in his donut. (laughs) Almost always. Completely forgot that they have Springfield. I saw Oh yeah, Springfield is is an awesome little draw. What's the coolest craft that you found? It was during like a Halloween Horror Nights season. Um, somebody had hidden a little like homemade sachet of beads. Like they were hand painted beads. They had black cats and pandas and just a couple really cute animals on hand painted beads. And I like to make necklaces, so it's like they hid it there for me. I love it. Um, but I've seen people hide all sorts of stuff. There's one woman who's famous for making wands. <sighs> she must make hundreds of wands a year and hides them everywhere. There's another family that makes these really expensive-looking wooden signs. They, they do the wood burning and make Ollivander signs for wand holders. Wow. They look gorgeous. I would eat, I would happily pay for them in a store, and they just hide them around the park. Wow. Oh, that's great. All right. So this conversation has definitely convinced me that I need to go to Universal Studios. You need to call me when <laughs> you go. One, and I will meet you up there. I need to call you yeah. so you can so we can do what we just described. And I need to read the books before. I, do I need to read? Should I read the books before I go? I think you would enjoy it either way, but you should definitely read the books if you'd like to continue this friendship. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. All right. All right, Dee, thank you so much for coming, uh, for talking to me today about uh, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter and other Universal stuff. I hope you come back soon to talk more about Universal. Anytime. You just let me know. All right, thanks, Dee. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please reach out to EasyDizitPodcast at gmail.com with any questions, corrections, or your favorite hotel room recipes. Follow EasyDizit on Instagram for daily infotainments and inspirations. And if you're thinking about a Disney or Universal Studios trip, I'd love to talk to you about it. I love to talk about it, and I love to listen to people talk about it. Whether you just want to run some thoughts by me or you want me to plan and book the whole thing, happy to do it. Get in touch. Until next time, EasyDizit. Thank you.